Hello and welcome to Thunderbird Eye. My name is Jacob Ayer and alongside me are Jake McGrail, Corey Branson, and Nico Roselli of CITR Sports, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. Like I said, you are listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Always keep you up to date with the latest UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories. And there was a lot, a lot, a lot of sports this past week. And we're going to try and cover them all in a very, very fast fashion. So this show will not be quite as much chit-chat as usual. I do. I will interject with my, uh, you know, my opinions from time to time. So I know Jake and Corey will too. <laughs> Nico, maybe. We'll see. I think, I think the newbie has left you. And I think at this point you're pretty aggressive with your takes, which I like. <laughs> but like I said, lots of sports we got to cover. There was preseason tournament matches from volleyball. Polar results from hockey. Um... Cross country kept up its pace against, well, we can say stiff competition, but we'll analyze that a bit later. Rugby found its groove relatively well after a tough past weekend. Soccer lacks some offense, so we'll analyze what that means going forward. Field hockey, field hockey is battling uh, to a stalemate, and yet another letdown from football happened this past weekend. We're also going to hope that that Interview with star women's rugby player Emma Feldinger does make its way onto the end of this episode, so stick around for that. The third try is indeed the charm. It's three weeks in the making, but <laughs> another good note is that Shoshana Sumanatafa's interview should also be coming next week, so it will be a two-part series. Let's start off with some relative positivity here uh, in terms of volleyball. Definitely. So we'll start off with men's volleyball. Although it is yet to be a new Canada West season for volleyball, the men's Thunderbirds team worked on adjusting back from their European lifestyle on the court this past weekend. They played against their division rivals, the Thompson Rivers University Wolfpack, last Friday at home, though it was a bit of an unpleasant outcome. That being said, there are still some highlights from the game. They also played again just yesterday with the visiting Queen's University as their opening game in the Blue Team Cup series. Yeah, hard-fought match against TRU. Thunderbirds did fall short uh, against the Wolfpack 3-1. Historically, the odds were in their favor. They have won 19 of the 34 all-time matchups, but uh, that's living in the past a little bit because Thompson Rivers has won the last four straight against UBC. So recent history, not nearly as uh, good there. Yeah, yesterday against Queens, the T-Birds assumed home court for the second straight match, but this time they came out victorious by a set score of 3-1. to one. This was just the second match in which UBC has ever faced Queens, so not really a common opponent for them. They now have a split all-time record 1-1 one one against the Kingston School. And on a side note, UBC Thunderbirds men's volleyball alumni our very dearly beloved Lord Byron Ketarakis. The Greek god himself. The Greek god himself. <laughs> he is helping the current Canadian national team in the FIVB Men's World Cup out in Japan. They're currently ranked 8th in the tournament, although they do have an 0-2 conference record. We're rooting for you, Byron. We hope you're listening. If you haven't checked out our interview with him, it was one of our very first about two years ago. Go check that out in the archives. You can uh, hear our throwback voices as well as his. And next up, the Thunderbirds will continue their journey on the Blue Team Cup until the end of this week. They're playing against Brandon University today at 8 p.m. in the War Memorial Gymnasium. Moving on to the women's. The women's team split their two games at the Thompson Rivers Battle of the Border Tournament this weekend. They took a short trip to Kamloops and competed with the host TRU Wolfpack and the McEwen Griffins. Though they nabbed a victory over TRU in a five-set game, 
they got beat 3-1 to one by the Griffins. Yeah, unlike the men's team, the women's team not appearing in the uh, Blue Team Cup this week, but they will be in the West Coast Classic Series this weekend alongside with the men's team over in Langley. And looking to rowing, they are starting their new season, which actually happened this past weekend at Burnaby Lake, which was the Burnaby Lake Small Boat Regatta on Saturday. And then they later had the Western Canadian University Rowing Championships on Sunday. Both the men's and women's team are usually very dominant here at UBC. They look to continue their winning ways as they've both been crowned the national champions last season. So rowing, another sport in which we dominate. Go UBC golf, go UBC rowing. Used to go UBC men's rugby. We'll see where that heads this year. But back to the topic of rowing. Last Thursday through Sunday, some UBC rowers individually took part in the Rowing Canada Avrion National Championships at Burnaby Lake. There were a couple standouts with some medals to claim. Yeah, so UBC's Katie Clark, she won a silver medal in the under-23 women's single skulls. Renee Lafreniere came away with the gold medal in the under-23 lightweight women's single skulls. Ivan Ribkin won bronze in the lightweight men's single skulls. And then Brenda Wall and his partner from Ontario, Matthew Schultz, won the silver in the under-23 men's pair. Yeah, good warm-up for uh, those rowers right there. Both the men's and women's team, as Jacob mentioned, are both the uh, national defending champions. Women's team finally got back on top of the national mountain. There was their first title since 2004. And the men's team, uh, they've been dominant for a hot second. They won their third consecutive national championship last season, their fifth in 13 years. So they're a Official season will begin this upcoming weekend at Burnaby Lake. Looking forward to a lot of rowing coverage next week on this show. And we're also trying to get, you know, a little interview going, potentially with one of the women's rowers. We'll see what ends up happening with that, but we would love to get an insider scoop on what makes them so successful. Moving now to soccer. Not as successful of a weekend Not for the women's side, especially they drew 1-1 against Fraser Valley before they suffered their first loss of the season, 2 nothing road defeat to Trinity Western. Ooh. Danielle Steer scored the team's only goal of the weekend of course in she that did. draw. <laughs> and uh, while goalkeeper Emily Moore made 15 saves across the two matches, she wasn't able to carry the Thunderbirds to victory. The match against UFV was much more back and forth than some of the Thunderbirds' more recent matches, with both goalies making nine saves and the Cascades leading the corner count 5-2. to two. Yeah, Steer opened the scoring early in the first half. Thunderbirds, they almost made it the entire way with the lead, but UFV's Katie Lampin scored the equalizer in the 86th minute. It was really a reverse of the first time Fraser Valley played. Uh, the Thunderbirds, Fraser Valley scored early on. Thunderbirds scored very late to make it 1-1, and then the reverse happened here. Right, because on the Trinity Western side, they have been unstoppable nearly all season. That continued for them with their 2-0 win on Saturday. The Thunderbirds were able to hold them off the score sheet until about the 75th minute, so props to them. But the two late goals did land the Spartans their seventh straight win. Trinity Western is a powerhouse across a lot of different sports in Canada West. Yeah, the only game they haven't won was that 0-0 draw with UBC to start the season. So at least we're playing defense <laughs> relatively well. Well, until the last 15 minutes of the game, though. <laughs> right. As we've shown take, this weekend. That sound, three... Sounds like another sport that we might uh, cover later who, you know, gave up a lot of fourth quarter points. I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> Jacob. Anyway, <laughs> this was the first time the Thunderbirds allowed multiple goals this season. And they'll try to bounce back with two more road matches this weekend against Thompson Rivers. They're 1-4-3. and three, And UBC Okanagan, they are 1-7. and seven. Those are good matchups at yes. the very least. Mm-hmm. But 
but uh, you can't count them as automatic winners as the men's team showed because they were big favorites going into their two-row matches with UNBC. And though they didn't lose either of the two games, it was a lot tighter than they would have wanted. First match, 2-1 win with Victory Shimbusho and Kerman Panu grabbing the goals, and the second match ended 0-0. The Thunderbirds side, I talked to Victory actually last night. I happened to bump into them. He said, you know, the year isn't quite going as well as he planned, but the team is very good on paper. I think it's just a matter of getting um, them to gel together. Those were roughly his words. But they fell behind less than two minutes into that first match as they were caught off guard. It was really just a simple ball over the top that allowed their opponents to get ahead, and then it took until the 63rd minute before Victory himself scored. From there, a red card to UNBC's Anthony Preston and a penalty kick for Panu got UBC the lead. The second match was a return to the struggles the Thunderbirds had earlier this season, though, where they had a lot of chances but couldn't finish. Timberwolves goalie Rob Goody made 11 saves as UBC was shut out for the second time this season. Yeah, the Thunderbirds are now 6-1-2, and two, which is still first in the Pacific Division, but second overall in the conference. Mount Royal is 8-2, and two, so they're still chasing them. And for as much as a Shambu show might be lamenting their play a little bit so far this season, they are still in a pretty good spot. Not too bad. I think he's just expecting, we were talking about, you know, the national stage, which mm-hmm. is, of course, their end goal. He says, we still think we have a shot to get to that, to win the, to win it all, really, Last year, I think it was the semifinals where they fell short. I think it was the quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. National championships, right. yeah. Victories was younger. They did have a couple of vets who are now gone. But I think overall, Victory's assuming more of that um, leadership role in the team, which he hopes can propel his team to win to win it all for cross men's universities. Yeah, well, first, they got to focus on the two games this weekend. Like the women's side, it's TRU and UBCO. But both of those games will be here at home. Uh, the Wolfpack are 3-3-4, three, three, and four. UBCO. They've cooled off after a hot start. They are now 6-4-2. and two. Cool. We're now going to look at cross-country. Thunderbird runners took their talents to meets on both sides of the border this past weekend. A host of athletes competed in the Minnesota Roy Reac Invitational in St. Paul, and another collection stayed closer to home and raced at the UVic Invitational. In the former, solid performances from both teams gave the men an 8th place finish and the women a 10th, while those at the Vikes meet, although there was no team component, uh, still peppered the top of the results sheet individually. On the men's side, Kieran Lum held the top result for the Thunderbirds. He got 6th place among the 117 racers in the land of 10,000 lakes. Also racing on that 8-kilometer course, Thomas Broach finished 26th and Tyler Dozy finished 35th, and that gave UBC uh, their 8th place finish as a team. On the women's side, it was Nicola Simmons, whose 22-19.8 was enough for 28th in the field of 147 total runners. Right behind her was 29th place Naomi Lang, competing in her first race for the Thunderbirds, while Kyla Becker's 40th place finish was the next best result as overall, the Thunderbirds finished in 10th. Looking closer to home in Victoria, Christian Gravel ran a 26-40-58, and Jake Weston a 27-24-99, to give them 11th and 17th place, respectively. Hannah Millich and Maddie Ravellis from the women's team also ran that 8-kilometer track, and as the only two women in the competition, not just from UBC, but from every school, they swept the podium by default. Congratulations. <laughs> Und- we uh, Undefeated. Over on that, uh, the race over there. No, yeah. one, no one could touch us. That's another dominant team we got to watch <laughs> there out There you for. go. Jake you got to love when you stack the odds in your favor to start. <laughs> yeah. 
Next up, trip to the Western Washington University Classic in Bellingham. Uh, their run is at the Sudden Valley Golf Course, which is where our golf teams uh, just recently hosted invitationals over down there in Bellingham. Sprinkling the good juju. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Moving on to hockey. I'll uh, we'll start with the men's. Things were looking good for the men's team coming into their first two games of Canada West play. Unfortunately, both games did not go the way we would have wanted, with UBC losing against Alberta. After a strong finish to their preseason, the Thunderbirds were in a great position to continue their winning run, with the first two games being played on home ice. Instead, Alberta came out victorious in a similar fashion to their preseason victories. UBC did have a bit of deja vu when both these games came to the end, as... To refresh everyone who's listening's memory as well as our own here, UBC played Alberta on September 6th and 7th, and the scoreline at the end of those two games were a 3-2 overtime loss in Game 1 and then a 6-2 loss in Game 2. And then fast forward a few weeks to now the scoreline in these two games they just played. Game 1, 4-3 overtime loss, 5 nothing loss in Game 2. Is that improvement? Not not really? I wouldn't necessarily say it's improvement overall. Point differential is actually a tad worse. Um, getting shut out sucks. So Yeah, not not great. Uh, even though both the games did not go the way of the Thunderbirds, uh, there were some positive takeaway from Game 1. Not really Game 2. Yeah, in Game 1, the Thunderbirds were 2-for-4 on the power play, and despite being outshot, they did have two-goal leads in this game, or two two-goal leads in this game, rather. And then a power play goal, 3.53 into the third period, was followed by the tying goal off a turnover just 12 seconds later. Alberta would again capitalize on the man advantage in overtime to seal that win. Unfortunate to blow two two goal leads in the same game right at the start of the season. Yeah, definitely a tough one, especially when you consider it was against Alberta. Um, Game two, quick notes. It was all Alberta in game two. They scored twice on the power play and once shorthanded en route to a 5-0 win. Matt Ravel was injured in this game too, resulting in a delay lasting several minutes. Everyone here at CITR wishes Matt a speedy recovery, and we know because we've been talking about him over the last couple of weeks, what he's been doing on the ice. It really sucks that he's gone down with an injury. We hope he gets back on the ice soon because the UBC Thunderbirds do need that scoring scoring punch. Yeah, they'll have a chance to rebound uh, this coming weekend, October 11th and 12th, away in Calgary. And moving on to the women's, with all the talk surrounding the men's team, the women's team quietly put together an impressive run of games in September, leading up to their Canada West opener tomorrow and Saturday. They will be taking on Alberta as well and might be able to get some revenge on behalf of the men. I love this UBC women's hockey team. They are gritty. They will take the penalty minutes. I remember last year, it was just ridiculous the amount of penalty minutes that they racked up, but not always in a bad way. Mm -hmm. I think it was to kind of put pressure on their opponents. But looking so far at this season, leading up to their opener, the women's team has outscored opponents 36-5. to I think there was one huge, huge blowout that really yeah. contributed to it. I think it was a 13-13 nothing or a 13-1 right, or something right. like that. Right, That was an yeah. exhibition match against some lower-ranking team. But needless, like regardless of that fact, still very good. They will be a way to start the season in Edmonton, but we're excited to see where the season takes them. And if, you know, the preseason determines kind of what's going to happen later on, Things are looking really good. Who needs Celine Tardif? Yeah, they got uh, Game 1 in the evening tomorrow and then Game 2 early afternoon game on Saturday. In terms of rugby, it was a much better weekend overall as the men's and women's side were both able to come away with victories. One 
match was much tighter than the other. The women's side was dominant, and they easily handled the number 10 ranked Lethbridge Pronghorns by a score of 49 to 15, whereas the men's side was a much closer battle. Yeah, in that women's game, it was a dominant start that really keyed the success in that one. They got off to a first half lead, 32 to 3. It was all T-Birds from right out of the gate as Emily Baker made it 5-0 for UBC just 52 seconds into the match. Yeah, great start. And then Feldinger... Friend of the show. Friend of the show, Feldinger, (laughs) soon to be friend of the show, uh, doubled UBC lead in the 8th minute with another try. Pronghorns did get on the board with a penalty kick to make it 10-3, but Feldinger scored again in the 18th. And then Hunter Zeppel scored back-to-back tries and then later scored a third in the game, uh, pushed the lead up to 25-3, and there was no looking back from there. They then tacked on another later first-half try by Alana Scramstrad to cross the 30-point threshold. And then although it looked like Lethbridge did gain some momentum to begin the second half, they had shrunk that lead to 32-15. UBC from that point on would let that not their lead decimate no further as Somanatov attacked on two tries of her own before Zeppel completed her hat trick of tries. Huge game for Zeppel on the pitch. Yeah, they've really bounced back after that tough start. And the Thunderbirds will finish their Canada West regular season at home in a grudge match against the first place University of Victoria Vikes on Legends Sunday. Legends Cup! Revenge. We need it. I mean, we la- do need it. Last year, I can't recall, but I feel like last year we beat them on the, definitely the men's rugby side, but I can't remember. I, th- I think it, we split the women's rugby series It was close. Time. It's always very close between yeah. us two schools, so look for a good match either way. This past weekend for the men's side... It was very hard fought, as previously mentioned. It was a very close 23-22 win against the defending champion Ravens rugby team. Yeah, after dropping their last pair of matches against the Ravens in close scores, they were 22-27 and 26-27 last season, the Birds have been able to claim a win against this dominant Ravens squad. And uh, as is the norm for men's rugby, we don't really know a ton about this game (laughs) (laughs) besides the score. Uh, It's probably uh, uh, a good match. That's not because we don't understand rugby. For all you (laughs) listeners, there's literally no stats. I would have to do, we would have to do some investigative journalism of our own, which we didn't have time for. So apologies on that. Yeah, you would have to assume though, the competition that they faced at that men's World Rugby University Championship really helped uh, prepare them to take on this team back here at home. And they travel to Vancouver Island next weekend to take on the Nanaimo Hornets. And moving on to field hockey, the women's field hockey team had two matches against UVic this past weekend, and we're looking to build off of a 2-0 start in Canada West, following two victories over the Dinos. Thunderbirds had two defensive matches against UVic, both ending in scoreless draws. UBC now sits at 2-0-2. In the first game, UBC, as you mentioned, it was that scoreless draw. Tight defensive battle that saw UBC goalies Hannah Rumble and Ava um, Aminbach combine for the shutout. UVic were 1-0-1 going into this match, so it was going to be a tough battle no matter what. Yeah, match started a bit slowly, lots of turnovers, other errors. The Vikes did have a golden opportunity to score in the first half when they had three corners in a row, but Rumble kept everything out of the net in that half. And then UBC did have a great chance to steal the game late off of a corner. However, Vikes goalie Robin Fleming robbed the Birds with an incredible save. And looking at Game 2, the second match of the weekend was also a scoreless draw. Yeah, UBC saw a timeshare in goal once again with Rumble and Aminbash splitting the duties. They combined yet another shutout, and again, UBC almost stole it in the final minute. They had a two-on-one right at the death. However, they just missed the net there. And up next for UBC is two more home matches against the 0-3-1 Calgary Dinos this weekend. 
that last second lack of ability to score, it's kind of what men's soccer has been unfortunately mm-hmm. dealing with. You hope that men's soccer can turn around. And, we, you know, two years ago, women's field hockey, it was a no-brainer win. Every match, every game they would go out, it's a dub. Now it's more of a – They last year was rebuilding – but this year, they're looking to do something with it. So you hope that their offense can turn it around soon. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Calgary because it's only three teams in Canada West, women's field hockey, Victoria, UBC, Calgary. And Calgary just gets beat up on by both UBC and Victoria all the time. I mean, the weather is better out here. You'd wonder if that plays a role or if it's just culturally field field hockey in BC is very strong, period. And maybe Alberta just needs to catch up a bit in that regard. So speaking of not being able to score and feeling bad, <laughs> we're now going to talk wow, about we're, football. We're going to go there, Corey. Yes, we are. I, we, have, I have a lot of connection to this game, so let's hear it. Let's hear it. We will give you something to smile about first. For the second consecutive week, the T-Birds did break their season mark for points scored. Besides this bright spot, though, it was the same old Thunderbirds that took to the field on Saturday. After grabbing the lead halfway through the third quarter, 20-14, to 14, every single Thunderbird forgot how to play football, leading to 26 unanswered points for the Alberta Golden Bears to close out the game. With playoffs completely out of the question for this team now, they're 0-5. Efforts should be redirected towards getting that single elusive victory. Big runs, baby. Unanswered points. Gotta love it. It was it was so tough to call that fourth quarter. I was sitting there. I was so hopeful. And then I saw it all go to, you know, SH. And it was just so unfortunate because it really looked like Olivares was the answer. And then it all crumbled. Unfortunately, it did. Um, looking to provide a spark, head coach Blake Nill officially handed the reins to first-year Gabe Olivares, like we just mentioned, at quarterback. And results, while not sensational, were better. Oliveras finished 24 for 33 for 195 yards, plus two touchdowns and two picks. And for all of our NFL listeners out there, that yards per attempt number was better than Tom Brady this weekend. That game <laughs> against the Bills, I was like, come on, Bills, please. Was there was there a single person who was cheering for the New England Patriots? Everybody Absolutely else, not. Every, Outside of Massachusetts, maybe Rhode Island, maybe <laughs> Connecticut. Everybody else wanted the Bills to win. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> but back on the Thunderbirds side, Oliveras was able to find a bunch of different receivers early. Trey Kellogg, an upper gear who hasn't seen that much action, was his main target. He held he held in 12 different catches for 111 yards, two scores. Meanwhile, Jacob Patton rounded back into form. He had six catches himself, nickel and diming his way to 52 yards as well. Yeah, not bad for those Thunderbirds receivers. Credits to the Golden Bears for finding their groove in the fourth quarter against an imploding Thunderbirds defense in this one. QB Brad Lonert delivered two scoring strikes to Tyler Turner that turned the tide in this matchup. But I will say it was the kicker, Jason Justini, that performed most admirably. He nailed all six of his field goal attempts. That's right, six. That ties a team record for Alberta. This was the first win for Alberta at Thunderbird Stadium since 2010. And it's also their first four-game winning streak since that season as well. And next up for the Thunderbirds, it's the Regina Rams at Taylor Field uh, over in Saskatchewan on Friday. That's tomorrow. Now, we've definitely said this before, but if the Thunderbirds are going to get a win, maybe it has to be in this game. The Rams are 1-4 in in Canada West. The only victory came against UBC right at the beginning of the season. And if they are going to keep incrementally uh, getting better week by week, then they might finally be able to turn that into a single win. Uh, against Regina, hopefully. I think my big, my only real big worry with this one, because I do think UBC can win, is just the fact that it's on the road. I think if the fixtures had been switched and we had played Regina on the road at the start of the season and now was our home match against them, we'd have a better chance. But 
We're still all hoping. I think Gable Lavares is the choice for Blake Nell. Yeah. I think that's safe to say at this point. Yeah. He's not throwing as many picks compared to touchdowns. <laughs> His ratio is better. He's completing that pass completion. Yeah. That's, that, that that's ain't bad. nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. Don't underestimate. We're going to take a quick break for ads and PSAs. Then we'll come back with our interview with back row player Emma Feldinger of the women's rugby team. Stay tuned for that. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. We are High School for Recording Arts Los Angeles. You may have heard about our school in Minnesota, but we started something new and great right here in LA. HSRA is the new family in town. Our students have created the song Smashing Out to let others feel our energy and to represent the culture HSRA is building. We all came from different backgrounds and we're seeking a different form of learning. We found it here at HSRA. Together, we started a student record label. Smashing Out is the first song we produce. We also just dropped a music video for this song. It represents our energy, our personalities, and our culture. You can find us on IG at HSRA underscore LA, and you can contact me, our student manager, Empress, E-M-P-R-E-S-S dot Hill 01 at newbillcharter.org. Or reach the school at 320-428-0854. All righty, folks, welcome back. We are going to get right into our interview now. As we mentioned before the break, this was our own Eric Thompson talking with standout rugby star Emma Feldinger. You've waited a long time for this one, folks. Three weeks coming, but here it is interview here on Thunderbird Eye, the UBC Thunderbirds radio show on CITR 101.9 FM. I've got UBC Women's Rugby back row and Canada Under 20 National, Emma Feldinger, in studio with me today. Welcome to the show, Emma. Hey. Last game against the Dinos, you came off in the 59th minute. Was that just, was that an injury or just a knock? Like, how are you feeling? Um, Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. It was like a shoulder injury. I have a previous injury, but... Okay. So it just kind of tweaked a little bit, but we're feeling good and ready to go for Sunday. You're good? You're good for Sunday? Yeah. Big game? Yeah, definitely a big game. So that game against Calgary, maybe not the result you wanted, but do you feel like you're in a good spot? Obviously, there was that really strong opening half performance from you guys. Um, so do you feel like you're sort of getting into the swing of things? Um, yeah, like we definitely worked on a lot this week in training, uh, addressed some issues that we went into in the Calgary game. And uh, yeah, we did a lot of video review to see what went wrong. And so we're feeling all pretty ready, I think, for Sunday. Uh, how has how has it been working under Dean? Obviously, you know one of the most respected women's rugby coaches in the in the province uh, for the working for the Thunderbirds now. What does uh, having a coach like that uh, do for the for the team? Um, I love it. That's one of the main reasons I came to UBC was to be coached by Dean. Um, he's kind of like a second dad to the entire team, so that's nice. And he definitely motivates you to be better. <laughs> yells at you when you need to be yelled at but also takes the time to like talk you through things if you're having issues whatever you need like he'll be there for you so it's really awesome you were called up along with with Shoshana to the uh Canada under 20 women's team this summer for the first time 
uh, for that Tri Nations Cup in Loughborough. First match with the U20s, you go and you beat the U.S. 24 to seven. How does that feel for your first U20 international? Oh, it was awesome. It was like unreal. First of all, to be selected. And then to get to start was another, like, I didn't expect that. But then to, like, win against the U.S. is just tops, like, cherry on the cake, you know? Um, but, yeah, it was awesome, like, just being that high intensity, like, one of the best games of rugby I've ever played, just with a great team. Yeah. So you have made that transition now from the U18s to the U20s, and you were, you know, with Team BC previously in the Elite Sevens, uh, played at the high school level. What is the transition like? What what changes as you go through these new levels of, of playing rugby? Definitely the coaching styles change. They expect you to know a lot more, which originally was very hard because sometimes I don't really think about what I'm doing in a practice. I like In U16s, I was more of like a, I practice horribly, but I play great. And so I definitely had to like change that to show like hey I actually do know how to practice things and like I know what you're talking about when you tell me these things so that was a big shift for me um but then the coaching styles just completely change and like they look for different things I've had so many different opinions on like the same thing but they're all over the map so it's kind of like you got to figure out what works best for you but I don't know it seems to be working so far so I guess we're good yeah definitely you were on that team bc a few years ago that beat Ontario in the final uh, during the HSBC Canada 7s yeah. uh, at BC Place in front of tens of thousands. How does that feel as uh, as a, you would have been uh, still still pretty early on in your rugby career to have an experience like that? Um, it was definitely intimidating, but <laughs> like Darcy was the coach and she made it so much easier. Like again, like just to help you with anything you need. Um, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was very loud. I remember not being able to hear anything my teammates were saying to me, like yelling for the ball, like this is the play we're doing. Couldn't hear a single word. All you could hear was the whistle. So it was definitely hard that way, but just like once in a lifetime experience at, as like a 16 year old to do that was pretty cool. So what uh, what got you into rugby? When did you start and sort of what was the, uh, the catalyst for you picking up this sport? So both my older brothers played rugby in high school and we're a very competitive family, so I was like, naturally, I had to play as well. Um, but then, like, so I started playing, and I was like, okay, in high school. But then I was like, okay, well, both my brothers play. They're pretty good, so I need to take it one step further. So then I tried out for BCs and then just kind of, like, went from there. But it was basically just because my brothers played. And then also growing up, uh, Jake Nicky was, like, he's from the same community I'm from. So him and his older brother would, like, have little rugby camps in our school, and so that really helped. And, like, they babysat me and my brothers when we were younger. So it was just kind of, like, always in my life, and then just eventually started playing, I guess. So you're the third player now from that sort of Williams, like, Alexis Creek area yeah. to come into the, the national team program. Is is there something in the water? Like, what what is it about Williams, like, it's, uh, and, and Alexis Creek? It's kind of a really small area proportionally to have three you know really high quality rugby players come from there yeah like it's very very small like you know almost everyone in the town so I think that it's I don't know we're all like rancher families like (laughs) we work in mills and stuff like that so it's just like growing up around that kind of like rougher like not pampered lifestyle definitely helps because you're like 
oh, I have to do this. Like, nobody else is going to get this done. I you're have not going to gonna pick up badminton yeah. if you're from around yeah, there. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not. And it's a good transition to go from, like, wrestling cows to just tackling people. Easy transition, I guess. I don't know. So what is the sort of day in the life of, uh, of a student athlete uh, for you uh, as, as, a, as a student here at UBC and as a member of the UBC Underwoods team? Um, well, I wake up, go to class make sure I eat a lot. I <laughs> eat a lot of food right now. Um, then high we're, performance athletes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah. So we're training at least once a day. And if we're not training, then we're in the gym. And then sometimes we do gym and training in the same day. And then a game on the weekend. And then we get like half a day off because we still train. <laughs> if we have a game on Sunday, we'll train on Monday. So just very busy, hard to find time for studying or doing actual schoolwork, but or coming into the done. studio. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for making making the time in your busy schedule. Oh no problem. Team BC, UBC, Canada U20s. What what's what's next on your radar? What are you? What's the next move? Um, well, I still have one more year of U20s, so hopefully, fingers crossed that <laughs> that works out again. And then from there, like I. Always my goal has been just to make at least one World Cup, like, just, like, that, I don't know, like, certification or, like, something that, like, I am that good. Like, I made it that far, kind of. So that's the end goal, I guess. And then, obviously, to graduate from UBC <laughs> would be a good goal as well. Uh, are you are you sort of moved away almost entirely from the sevens then? You're really kind of focusing on the 15s aspect of the game? Yeah, um, there's a lot of faster people out there than me, um, so... Being beat on the outside is a very real issue for me. So 15s is more my style where I can just crash up the middle. Don't have to worry about the speedsters <laughs> <laughs> running right around me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, you and the Thunderbird squad, so much young talent, young BC talent in rugby in Canada. What would you say to sort of the next generation, the sort of you know, 15, 16-year-olds right now who might be trying to see, well, you know, what can I do? Can I make rugby a career or at least a, a you know, a, an academic scholarship? Um, I took every opportunity that was ever offered to me to do some something. Um, like, from the time I was 15 till, oh, God, like two years ago, so I guess 18, my mom drove me down, like, eight-hour drive one way every weekend all summer to go to rugby tryouts, rugby practices, everything, like, never like take no as a permanent no like get if you get cut from a team whatever like ask for feedback take that feedback and work on it like you'll make the team eventually you will be noticed so just never give up is my thing and then like always have fun obviously <laughs> very cliche answer um but also be self-motivated like your like friends family can only do so much for you like you have to have that internal drive to make it there and yeah someone will notice you eventually so and again looking ahead to that um vikes fixture on the on the weekend <laughs> um what has been sort of the, the message from the in, inside the locker room what are you guys sort of focusing on ahead of that game we've been focusing on a lot of things but mainly what we need to do to score and how to make sure they don't score is kind of just basically the whole aspect of the game we've been focusing on, um, but a lot around the breakdown. Yeah? Yeah, which is, I think, what every team focuses on. So, 
it's pretty it's yeah. pretty important um that that uh, that last dinos game uh where you had the the 14 no lead and then obviously things started to go south in yeah. the in the second half was that sort of is is that was that because of the breakdown was that because um i think that our tackles just weren't there and we were giving them more than they should have got and we also were on defense majority of the time that obviously doesn't win games if you don't have the ball. <laughs> can, can you tell me a little bit more about the U-20s, the Tri-Nations Cup tournament, and just sort of what that experience was like uh, as your, your first U-20 uh, selection? Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. We did a lot of training, but the coaching was unbelievable. Like, I've never had so much advice at once, and then to try and, like, process it all and, like, do it all right after they say it, definitely a learning experience, but... It was just unbelievable to, like, put the, like, red shirt on and, like, get out there, have the maple leaf on your chest, singing the national anthem, and then playing, like, as hard as you can and knowing that everyone else on the team is, like, there for the exact same reason you are was, like, unbelievable. And it was awesome that there were six UBC girls there. So it was kind of like a little family came, and then we, like, expanded it. It was pretty awesome. And then, yeah, just to win t- against the States was awesome because a little bit of bragging rights there <laughs> um and then like the england game was probably the best game of rugby i've ever played in my life we didn't win but i felt like i could play at that rate or that intensity for hours like i had no issue just like okay let's have another half like let's keep going let's keep going so like that was really um, motivational and like just exciting all right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for coming in, coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, good luck on the weekend. Good luck on the rest of the season. Uh, good luck with your national team aspirations. I'm <laughs> sure you'll you. be a, a fixture for, for years to come there. Thank, awesome. thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Alrighty, folks, thank you for listening in. Again, that was our own Eric Thompson interviewing UBC Women's Rugby's Emma Feldinger. Uh, Next up, we are almost finished with the show here, but Jake is just going to run over some upcoming matches. Yeah, the one result that happened this past week that we didn't mention, women's basketball played an exhibition match, 81-52 to win over Thompson Rivers. As a reminder, the big championships for this weekend, the uh, Golfing Canada West Championship, both men's and women's team participating there in Kelowna Friday to Sunday, while the Rowing University, uh, Western Canadian University Rowing Championships are on Sunday. Also, uh, the upcoming results or upcoming games that we haven't mentioned, women's basketball playing Wolfwood Laurier tomorrow, men's basketball exhibition against the Seattle Mountaineers on Sunday. We got some more volleyball preseason. Men's are playing two games on the same day, Trinity Western immediately followed by UBC Okanagan. And then on the Sunday, the women's basketball team rematch against Wolfwood Laurier, women's volleyball plays Trinity Western at that west coast classic lots of sports it's that time of the year where you get the fall sports intersecting with the wintertime sports so there will be a lot to cover in the next weeks thank you guys all so much for listening i'm happy that that emma feldinger interview finally got up on the air we are looking forward to either a rowing and or the rugby part two interview next week um it will be either jessica sevick of the women's rowing team or we're looking to, uh, forward to a shoshana Semenatafa interview from the women's rugby team. Thank you for tuning into Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news, standings, and stories is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Next up on CITR is CPOP Connection. 
for Thunderbird Eye. This has been Jacob. Jake, uh, contributions from Liz, as well as Corey and Nico have been on the show. Ben Nelson also chipping out. And, of course, Eric Thompson with the interview. Listen Thursdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. on CITR Radio or check us out on iTunes at Thunderbird Eye. Thank you for tuning in and have a wonderful rest of your day. Me sujo os olhos a propaganda e a televisão. Faça de mim o que bem lhe couber. Faça de mim, homem, mulher. Sou água alta, tendo a flutuação. Faça de mim sua fome mais. Faça de mim a língua que roça a outra Faça de mim terras raras, muitas vidas Faça de mim outra coisa muito louca From September 26th to October 11th is the Vancouver International Film Festival. VIF presents the world's best cinema fused with related talks and events in a unique Films Plus model. Annually, VIF presents over 320 films and events, plays host to approximately 400 industry professionals from around the globe, and boasts the largest Canadian film program in the world. Tickets are on sale now. Go to VIF.org or the Van City Theatre box office to purchase yours today. Filmic is best thought of as an introversal jukebox which has no concept of genre, style, political boundaries, or even space-time relevance. But it does know good sounds from bad. Lately, the program has been focused on Philip Random's All Vinyl Countdown plus Apocalypse, the 1,111th greatest records you probably haven't heard. And we're not afraid of noise. Randophomic, every Saturday at 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. at CITR 101.9.